Uh, welcome to Juicing the Numbers, a podcast about uh, statistics and sports. I am your host, Joshua Tracy, joined by my fellow host, Corwin Heller. Hello, I'm Corwin Heller. Um, so today we're going to be talking a lot about uh, positional hitting in baseball. Uh, so we, we broke down using Fangraphs' WRC+, Plus, uh, how each position hits, uh, how players who appeared at each position hits, and we've tried to come up with a relatively gentle and simplified way of translating that into comparing uh, by position rather than by the league as a whole. Because traditionally, WRC+, plus and pretty much any metric that compares hitting, does it as a league average, and we were wondering if there's anything to really be gleaned from looking at it as a positional average. So Josh is going to be taking the reins on this podcast. Uh, baseball is his expertise out of the two of us. And as we continue on with this podcast, we're going to be switching back and forth so that as we come up with these topics, those who are a little more familiar with it are going to be taking the reins and we're going to take you on a ride. Yeah, we're going to uh, the the ultimate goal is to have things, though, that we can explain it to each other. So hopefully we can explain it to you. Um, this is going to be very numbers and statistic oriented, but we're going to try to not get bogged down too much where it's just uh, rattling off equations. So this all should be observable and be something that you can uh, use to kind of either explain something you see or get a better knowledge of something that's going on within a game. And this isn't going to be solely baseball-focused. We are going to hit the NFL quite frequently, as we both do love football. Uh, we're going to be hitting some hockey, and uh, we'll see if any other sports strike us out. That was terrible. That was awful. Yeah, that Let's was not really, use that. that Let's cut really, that immediately. That was really bad. Um, but yeah, uh, today's going to be baseball. Chances are, uh, I'm going to say a decent number of this will be baseball just because it has so much numbers in it. Although... Um, we're going to try to take numbers where we can from other sports without really stretching it. I think that's, uh, no one likes to hear too much weird football statistics that have nothing to do with anything. So speak for yourself anyway. So, uh, in baseball, whenever you hear plus at the end of things, OPS plus WRC plus, uh, it, it's typically meaning that that number is going to be a reference against other hitters. So, uh, it's all going to be base level 100. So, if you have someone like, let's look at hmm, Renato Nunez. I have no idea who that is. Uh, if you are Renato Nunez, you batted uh, at a 101 WRC+, plus, which basically means you are 1% better than the average hitter, which means you're the average hitter. Good on you, Renato. Good yeah. on you. Uh, much the same, maybe a more recognizable name, Adrian Beltre. Uh, rest in peace. <laughs> uh, I love you, Adrian. He's not actually dead. <laughs> he is very much so alive. Uh, R.I.P. Wade Boggs. <laughs> Wade or Boggs Bob isn't Hawks. dead. Anyway, um, Adrian Beltre this season had a 99 WRC plus, so he was 1% worse than your uh, average MLB hitter. Although, granted, given the fact that Adrian Beltre is also 42? I don't know. Uh 40, I'm going to say uh, mi- young 40s. The fact that he hit league average is phenomenal. Now I need to look this up. Yeah, while, while, while you do that, I'm just going to keep going. So that, But that's going to compare it to everyone who batted in the MLB that year. That is overall you hit better than, uh, you know, 1%, 2%, or if, you know, you're uh, 
Johan Camargo, 15% better than the average MLB hitter. What we were wondering is, if you broke that down by position, how are you hitting compared to your peers in your position? So what we what I did, um, and like I said, this is very casual. It's it's not probably the right way of doing it per se, but I took each individual person's number, divided it by the average of players who had at least I did uh, I think 200 plate appearances, maybe 300 for some of these. Now it looks like more like, more like 200 um, plate appearances, and divided it by that average, so you get a number. Um, kind of weighted based on position. So, this doesn't show too much for some things. It does show a little bit. Um, this is really useful for catchers. It's really useful for relatively more defensive positions versus relatively more offensive positions. You'll get a lot more from it looking at averages based off of shortstop catcher where it's not necessarily an offensively focused position and you're not going to get as much from it for first base outfield stuff like that yeah exactly it's, it's, it's going to show you like um all right so you great you were like a 130 uh with wrc plus hitter for first base but if you compare that to like other first basemen that's only like a 115 which is still 115 is totally cool 115 is good you're 15 percent better than the average player but it shows that like that while that 130 is looks really good in reality, compared to like if you're a free agent or if you're a team looking at free agents, it's not as good as it appears compared to like who else might be on the market. Just as a reference, why don't you give us a couple numbers for top players at each position so we can kind of get a base off of how high this really does go? Right. So let, let, let's leave catcher to the end because catcher is where it gets kind of funky because catcher is a very, very defensive position where you can get by without any real offense if you're good defensively because of just how important that is to the position. So, if you are, uh, and again, this is just to set the 300 plate appearances or 200 plate appearances, so it, it, it might be a little bit skewed based on that. Uh, I didn't like how small the list was for qualified hitters. didn't seem to be enough of a sample size. So, Max Muncy led uh, all first basemen um, with a 162 WRC+. plus, So he's 62% better than the average. 162 is really good. Wild. Yeah, like like that. that's really high. That's a very, very good hitter. Now, if you compare that to other first basemen, because first base is not a very defensive position. It's very much so an offensive position. It goes down. It goes down to 152. Okay? So now 152 is still very, very good. Like that, that Max Muncy is still a very good baseball player. But what that says is that the average first baseman's hitting much better than the average player, right? So if you have someone like Brandon Belt of the Giants who had a good year, he he had a 107 WRC+, plus, compared to other first basemen, it's actually just 100 flat. He's actually just an average hitting first baseman, although he's 7% better than your average hitter. And we can just kind of move this along now that it doesn't take so much. You have... um. Jeff McNeil, shockingly, given 248 plate appearances, not uh, the most plate appearances in the world, had a 137 WRC plus as second baseman. But for a positional for second baseman, he had a 141 WRC plus. Uh, second base is relatively more of a defensive position. So compared to other second basemen, he hit much, not much better, but he hit better. Uh, four percentage point difference between him compared to all batters versus him compared to other second basemen. 
And if you look at the numbers all around for second baseman, you'll find that 4% is a pretty good estimate for how much that PWRC plus is going to change. So if you go down the entire list that we have here, looking at all these second basemen, no matter what their regular WRC plus is, once you break it down by position, it's going to go up roughly 4% each time. Right, which I think I think really what that's going to tell you is that overall second baseman hit 4% worse than your average, uh, than the, the culmination of the other positions, I think is what that would kind of be the key to in there, which I think is fair. Because I, I don't think second baseman is a, is an offensively deprived position. I think there's plenty of well hitting second baseman. Oh, absolutely. Um, but you're also going to take a, uh, I don't know, an Ian Kinsler, who's who's a good hitter, um, but he's there for defense. You know, absolutely. Uh, same thing's going to go for shortstop. Uh, Manny Machado led all shortstops with a 141 WRC plus. This compared to his fellow shortstops, put him at a 146. Uh, PWRC plus so five percent difference again shortstop is a relatively more defensive position but not so much it's going to cause his number to spike exactly move along to third base now that we're again on the corner of the infield we're moving towards an offensive position corners of the infield uh, are more about offense middle of the infield more about defense so uh, Max Muncy also tops this list which I'll get to why that is in a second again with his one W uh, 162 WRC plus, uh, which translates to by third baseman a 156 PWRC plus. So he it bumps down six percentage points because there's just more well hitting third baseman than there are relative to the culmination of the rest of the positions in baseball. Uh, I grouped together all outfielders just because outfielders split so much time between other positions, uh, being the corners or center. Even though for the most part I think people have their positions, it, it just, I thought, might make it a little bit cleaner. Uh, so Mike Trout, shockingly, uh, led all outfielders in WRC Plus with 191, which is just goofy high. I really just don't even know how to compare Mike Trout to other players on this list. It no. honestly would probably be more accurate if we removed Mike Trout from the equation altogether. Oh, it'd be more. It, it reaches a point with Mike Trout where it's it, you're better off comparing comparing him to all time greats rather than people playing the game right now. But regardless, uh, you have Mike Trout hitting just one ninety one. Essentially um, twice as good as any other player at his position uh, uh, well, in uh, all of baseball. Yeah, right, right, right. By position, and again, this is outfield overall, this would obviously change if you did it by corner versus center because center field is a uh, more defensive position compared to corner outfield. But again, for s- sake of ease, um, compared to all outfield, Mike Trout was a 187 WRC+, plus, basically a scrub. Oh, my God. <laughs> Cut him already. Uh, so uh, de- decreased 4% as outfield is a very strong hitter's spot. Now, the final position to talk about is catcher, which is where things go very drastic uh, because, like I said previously, catcher is the most defensive position on the ice. Uh, oh, I decided. On the ice. On we, the ice. We do changing. have a hockey game on while we watch that. It might be affecting uh, some of our terminology. Yeah. yeah. How, so on, how are uh, blocks and hits for uh, Mike Trout this year? I mean, he's taken too many penalty minutes, so it's really, really decreases his output. His core size is is just. <laughs> anyway. how, how would this change if we change batting average to shooting percentage? All right, let's, so let's move on. <laughs> That's where we draw the line. 
Uh, so Wilson Ramos was the best hitting catcher this uh, past season by WRC Plus with a uh, minimum plate appearances of 200. He had a WRC Plus of 131. Uh, now, if you put this into positional WRC Plus, PWRC Plus, he had a 154 uh, WRC, PWRC Plus. So he hit uh, 54% better than his fellow catchers with 200 plate appearances, which is 23 points higher than his other uh than his regular WRC plus. And that's because catchers are not great hitters. Right? No. Not great hitters. So for example, let's scroll down my list here and let's look at uh how about this guy? Uh Manny Pena, who was the was catcher for the Brewers, okay? He had an eighty five WRC plus, which means he hit fifteen percent worse than your average MLB hitter. Now, compared to his fellow catchers, he had a 100 WRC+, which tells us that your average MLB catcher is 15% of a worse hitter than your average MLB player. And that's because defense is so highly valued in uh, playing this position. And this would only... I didn't even include pitchers uh, in this discussion of hitting because it literally does not matter there. And in fact, I looked and we had several negative numbers. <laughs> I would absolutely love to see Madison Bumgarner and Max Scherzer's positional WRC+. Plus. Oh, I'm- it's probably through the fucking roof. Oh, my God. So now, this topic originally got brought up in my mind because there was a lot of talk about trading uh, Gary Sanchez during the year. For reference, I am a Yankees fan, the scum of the earth. Uh, Corwin can confirm. Corwin's kind of a Pirates fan, kind of a Tribe fan. The Pirates are hard to watch, and the ownership makes it even harder to root for. The Tribe's just fun. Go Tribe. I I really can't fault you too much for that position. Um, So as a Yankees fan, I lived through a lot of trade Gary Sanchez talks over the course of the 2018 season uh, due to the fact that he did not have his hottest offensive year. And, you know, people were saying "Ah, he's hitting like, like crap. You gotta go get someone else. You gotta let um, Austin Romine be the hitter, uh, or be be the main catcher because he's hitting so well. Um, and so I wanted to see, well, how does Gary Sanchez's performance compare to other catchers? And let's find Gary Sanchez's name on this list. Uh, Gary Sanchez again. I I'm going to admit he did not have his greatest year. He had an 89 WRC plus, who's 11 percent worse. Then your average MLB hitter, uh, 105 for positional. He still hit 5% in a terrible year, an awful down year. He still hit 5% better than your other catchers. I would really love to have seen what Yankees fans and baseball fans as a whole would have thought of his season if it were not for his rookie season expectations. Are there expectations coming from what he did as a rookie yeah um now granted i'm not going to get into the whole what's gary sanchez going to do next season that's that's not too much of the point of this episode because that's a whole different discussion this is more about how do you value different aspects of a player's uh game right and just taking it from the batting and positional and we're not going to talk too much again about defense we're going to talk just about position okay uh so first off, just finishing up on catching, 
Um, it's one thing to say someone's sucking at hitting, having a rough time hitting. We got to get rid of them because of their hitting. There's a context I think that needs to be taken into into consideration with that, and that's one of the things, and that's why I thought of Gary Sanchez at as, at the uh, infancy of this because, yeah, Gary Sanchez had a down year last year, uh, but he's your 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 catcher. I mean, Gary Sanchez could have been even worse last year and still been an above-average hitting catcher uh, because some positions don't have strong hitting. And that means that that, that's not an excuse to forgive Gary Sanchez for having a bad season or for having whoever your catcher is for having a bad hitting season. What that is also there to say is that it's not going to be easy to replace that bat in that positional group. It's not going to be easy to go, oh, let me go find a better hitting catcher for this year because out of all catchers with 200 plate appearances, guess how many hit over 100 WRC+. plus? Are you asking me to guess? Uh, yes, because I'm having a hard time. I am going to say six. Twelve. I am dumb. Well, I mean... Nah. <laughs> but that's it. That's it. 12. Just 12 catchers in all of baseball hit over 100 WRC+. plus. 14 if you include exactly 100. So only 12 catchers were average ball players as hitters or above. That's it. That's not a big market. That's not going to help you out. With 30 teams, that's a very, very small number. Right, and basically what that says is that there are 18 more teams out there. 18 teams also in the hunt for that uh, league average or better hitting catcher. That's awful. So if you have someone, sorry, if you have someone who can hit 5% better than your average catcher, which is what Gary Sanchez's terrible year was, you're in a good spot. That's fine. I want you to read off the 12 names that hit above league average, and I want us to... us as the audience, I'm a part of the audience on this episode, how many of those 12 players would you consider superstar catchers? Oh, Because it, I'm sh- guarantee you that there are going to be some names where you're going to think, man, I didn't realize that guy actually was a pretty decent pitcher, hitter. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you uh, the, the teams that the, <laughs> these people played on because I think you're going to get most of them, but some of them I think you might struggle with. Oh, boy. All right, so uh, who led the le- led the, uh, the the group, as I said previously, was Wilson Ramos. I'm going to go and say JT Realmuto. Well, no, no, I would, give, give, give me the team. Okay, the Rays, Rays. and eventually the Phillies. Right, we, we talked about them uh, previously. The second was JT Realmuto. I'm going to assume that you are pronouncing that incorrectly and that I am right and it's Realmuto. That's what I just said. Realmuto? Real yeah. Madrid? Realmuto. Oh, it doesn't matter. Just, it does, yeah, it does not matter. What team? Marlins. Right. Uh, Francisco Cervelli. Go Pirates. Pirates. Yasmani Grandel. Dodgers. Omar Narvaez. Dead air. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, White Sox. That's not that surprising. Why I did not know that catcher. Exactly. He had a 122 WRC plus, so he said tw- he hit 22% better than your average MLB hitter. 144 by position, so he said hit 44% better than your average catcher. Had a, had a solid year. Uh, 322 plate appearances. Uh, he had a 366 on base. He had a 429 slugging. 
He had a 348 Woba. This was a, a, a 2.1 uh, war. This was a good year for Omar Narvaez. For a guy we never heard of, that's very good. Totally cool. All right. Uh, Elias Diaz. Still don't know. Uh, Pirates. Let's cut that part. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Suzuki. Ooh, Kurt Suzuki. I want to say... Just changed teams this offseason, but previously was on... He was previously on the Astros, but I'm going to go with the Braves here. He was on the Braves. He's now currently on the... Don't know. Washington Nationals. Yeah, they um they got... That's what was so weird about the Nats is that they got uh, Jan Gomes from the Indians and Kurt Suzuki as a free agent. Um, no one knows why. Anyway, uh, Buster Posey... Uh, that was the Dodgers, right? Oh, no, he he played that. for the Giants. Mad I'm not that, that dumb. Jesus. Uh, Robinson Chirinos. Uh, he played for the Rays. The Rays. Rangers. Rangers. Damn. Uh, this is an easy one. Yadi Molina. No idea. Cardinals. You can't do that for everyone you know. Yeah, I can, and you can't stop me. Uh, Mitch Garver. I actually don't know this one. I don't know who this was either. This is uh, catcher for the Twins. Uh, Jan Gomes. Go Tribe. Right. And that's it. Uh, we have two league average hitters, two guys who hit uh, with 100 WRC+, plus, which is Max Stassi of the Astros and Wilson Contreras from the Cubs. Everyone you can think of after that, everyone you can think of after that was below average. And by the way, that includes Austin Roman from the Yankees, um, who only had two points of WRC+, plus over Gary Sanchez, because this is the hill I'm going to die on, um, Gary Sanchez had an 89 WRC plus. Austin Roman had a 91. That is an indistinguishable difference. I think they should cut Sanchez and give Roman the job full time. I'd be so fucking mad. I'd be so, I'd be so mad. Anyway, anyway. So what, what what I think this is most useful for illustrating is, as I said previously, uh, how positional groups hit can affect a little bit of free agency, a little bit of uh, a fan's frustration with how that player is hitting because you just you can't just go out and get another good hitting not even great hitting good hitting catcher there's not a lot um it's also going to affect your free agency because if you have someone like um he's never going to hit free agency but buster posey who would hit free agency that guy is going to be courted the way that jt real mudo is getting courted on the marlins as a trade candidate because the marlins have no real use for him because the marlins suck and JT Realmuto is like one of the best catchers in baseball at hitting and also catching. Do we have Buster Posey's breakdown of when he played first base? So I, I, I don't. And, and I guess we can segue kind of into that part. Um, one of the things that makes this a little bit more challenging um, is that they don't break down by position played. Uh, like they don't they don't separate the stats so that you're only looking at the stats of when a player was playing that position. So if you went on to fan graphs like I did, and, and where that's where I culled all this information from, uh, you see that Max Muncy led my first base category and my third base category with the exact same WRC plus of uh, 162. That's and with the same amount of plate appearances and everything because they didn't change the position. So basically, what fan graphs does is if if you play that position seemingly just at all, you get lumped into that split. So why that becomes an issue, though, is um, not so much an issue, but why it's not 
I think that they should parse out by position. I get why they do it the way they do it, but I think it, it, it can be more useful in what we're trying to do here if you could parse it out by what are your stats when you're hitting in this position. Because one of the things I then started to think of as interesting after we kind of built this topic was how would you construct your lineup? How would you construct your defense um, re- disregarding defensive metrics? Um, how would you construct your lineup um, defensively, barring defensive metrics, if you could compare how your hitters are hitting at that given position, right? So I did this with Javi Baez because he played three different positions a decent amount this year. Uh, he played uh, second base, shortstop, and third play- third base. He had 90 games at second. He had, come on, you stupid piece of shit, uh, 64 games at shortstop, and he had 87 games at third base. So we had a good number, a decent sample size from each position, okay? So Javi Baez is, um, Javier Baez is, overall uh hitting this season was uh 131 WRC plus. So that's that's solid. Like that's really that's it was, I mean he finished what second place in MVP voting this year? He had a tremendous season all around. Yeah, he no had doubting a, that. He had a great year. Um it, but and that actually makes it even more useful for picking him in that the numbers are fun. Oh yeah. And they're going to Nobody cares what some replacement level player is doing at different positions. No, no one cares what Jonathan VR <laughs> did it second base as compared to shortstop for the Orioles this year. It's, it's it, anyway. Um, so what I did was I went individually for Javier Baez and I pulled his numbers from only his appearances at those positions and took a look at where they kind of went. Uh, now, if you notice, I said 90, uh, 64, and 87. That does not add up to 162. That's more. Uh, that's because his, Javier would s- switch between games. So, again, if you really want to just start poking little holes and everything, you can poke little holes and everything. This is, uh, again, very simple, very basic, just taking a look at an idea. Just to get a rough estimate of how people hit at their position. Right. So, Javier buys the second baseman, had a 109 WRC+. So, like I said, he had a 131 as Javier Baez, the hitter, as Javier Baez, the second baseman, 109. So, and again, this is, this is a level of randomness in it. It's just how'd you hit that day at second base. If but, you were up against a tremendous pitcher that day. Right. But again, I also say 90 games is enough. I forgot to write down the plate appearances. That is my bad. But I'd say 90 games is enough of a sample size where you can also say that it, it's fair to make some level of judgment here. Uh, so 109 is significantly lower. It's still an above-average hitter. It's still 9% better than the average hitter. And by positional WRC+, plus, it's even better because second base is relatively a defensive position. So he hit 112 going by PWRC+, plus, but he dropped a lot uh, in production as a second baseman from hitting. What kind of other hitters are around him at second base? Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, Brock Holt. Had the ex- identical WRC plus. Uh, Kettle Marte is a little bit below him. Uh, Daniel Murphy's also there. Danny Descalco is also there. So good, I mean, these good are players, yeah, but not all stars. Decent hitters. A guy you're not ashamed to have be playing on your team. You know, guys who are going to hit, you know, reasonably well throughout the course of a season. Um, so now let's jump over and look at Javi Baez, the shortstop. Javi Baez, the shortstop. Hit 147. 
WRC plus. That's good. That's really good. Um, oh, I didn't put his WRC. Doesn't matter. Uh, so that's even better than his one third. It's sixteen points higher than his uh, regular WRC plus. Uh, is nor is overall WRC plus. And if we add the five ish points that uh, we get when we add the positional adjustment, that's a one fifty two PWRC plus. So he's hitting fifty two percent better than an average shortstop, which again is a defensive position. So that's that's great. And who is around him in this scenario? Really, no one, because he's leading that category. Uh, Manny Machado's around him. I mean, six points below isn't the world, but it's pretty decent uh, at 141 WRC plus. But then, if we, the next person below that's Xander Bogarts, who's uh, 14 points below him, and that's where we're getting iffy with uh, 147. And then below that is overall Javi Baez at 133, 131. So it's fair to assume. Defensive statistics not included, that as a hitter, Javi Baez this past season was the best offensive shortstop in baseball. I'd I'd say that's fair. Now, if we were to just to ask ourselves, um, again, let's let's say he's just an average uh, defensive player at all these positions. Why wouldn't you have no? You know what? Let's say he's a he's a worse shortstop uh, defensively than he's a second baseman. Can you justify having Xavi play shortstop when you know it's a defensive downgrade but an offensive upgrade? I think at that point you really... I know that's not what we're trying to do here, but you'd have to look at the trade-off that you'd have. But looking at the increase that he has, you know, 20-something points over his overall WRC+, plus, that's a huge jump. It is really... And so th- what I think... Uh, what I think the next step in looking at this is, is a lot of big picture questions, right? It's a lot of like, uh, all right, we have, let's look at second baseman real quick. Uh, let's say, I don't know, uh, you want to get Scooter Jeanette from the Reds, right? You have a, 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 there's a they're trying to give him away. You can, you can trade him to Tyler Chatwood. Just for reference, before we started recording this, Josh had spoke in depth about wanting to get Scooter Jeanette from the Reds as a Yankees fan. I want him very much. I, I love him. Uh, he has a 125 WRC+, plus, um, which is great. Okay? Let's say you want to get him just to have a, a, another bat in the lineup. I don't know. You, you cut somebody. Someone got traded. Someone was a free agent. It doesn't matter. Okay? So, why, it, it could help you pick out your trade target in that or your acquisition target just to have a more overarching word because now you can say, well... Javi's a great hitter, but if we put him at short, he's so much better than league average there, so maybe we should target an above-league average second baseman because we know we have such a better positional hitter in Javi the shortstop over what we do have in Javi the second baseman. Economics theory of comparative advantage in full use here. Absolutely. Now, if you weren't... <laughs> this is this is getting so... Cause I, I love this kind of stuff because you can build so much off of it. To go back to the previous question I'd asked, though, of when would you play Javi at short, I think there's actually a, a few more things you can answer with that in, all right, what if you have your ace pitcher on the mound who's a strikeout guy? Like, let's say Chris Sale pitched for the uh, the uh, uh, Cubs, right? He's not going to get a lot of he's, – he's a strikeout artist. You're not going to have a lot, of, a lot of traffic going to shortstop. You could probably justify having – 
a weaker shortstop who's not going to see so much volume and then stack the lineup so that you have more good hitters in it. Baseball general managers who are listening to this, take note. We know what we're talking about. (laughs) At least Josh does. Please hire me. (laughs) Um, Same thing if you have, like I guess maybe you could say a fly ball pitcher, someone who doesn't generate so much contact going too short. Um, Also, you could say if you're facing... If you're facing a really difficult pitcher and you think you really need the offense, defense kind of be damned, you could say, all right, Javi, you're playing short so we can fit um, bench player who's a really good hitter and also, a, I guess you could say, lackluster defender, uh, put them at second base so we can just kind of stack the lineup. Mm-hmm. You could also kind of look at it that way. And if you have a guy like CC Sabathia, who's a very ground ball heavy pitcher, you might look at it and say, look, we'd love to have Javi at shortstop where he could provide that offense, but we really need ace defender in there in the meantime. Right. This this kind of gets down to a nitty-gritty where it's like we know Javi's a good hitter. We're trying to maximize a lineup now. Um, and just for for real quick, I also did Javi Baez, the third baseman. Keep in mind, third base is a very uh, offensive-oriented position. Uh, so Javi Baez, the third baseman in 87 games, had a WRC plus of 121, which I think is so fascinating because in a less offensive position of second base, he hit worse. It was his worst position by hitting with 109. You move him to an even more offensive position out of the middle infield to a corner, and he hit 121. He hit better in a tougher spot. Which translates to a, a 116 PWRC plus, which doesn't really matter right now for for this, but you, you you put him in a spot where it's like, all right, Javi, we expect you to to hit stronger because this is the this is this is the position where we expect big bats, and he, he just magically kind of pulled through. Um, so he's also 21 percent of a better hitter at third base. I think this may also have to do with the fact that Baez is a gamer in every sense of the word. Yeah, he's just also a good hitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that would just also kind of give you a flexibility. I think this this could be a useful discussion moving forward uh, as we enter the age of super utility players. You know, you have Marwin Gonzalez's. Uh, you have uh, the Yankees. Had, uh, uh, this just feels so stupid. It's Ronald Torres, I was going to say, but no one's going to know who he is outside of Yankees fans. Um uh, but you do have Javi Baez, who plays a bunch of positions. Uh, the Red Sox have Brock Holt, who we saw play a bunch of positions. The Dodgers have Enrique Hernandez, who plays a bunch of positions. So a lot of this can now get down to um, who can we move around? Because Enrique Hernandez, Brock Holt, Javi Baez, they can move around in-game. Who do we want to start off our game with? Uh, if I'm seeking someone to acquire in the offseason or midseason, what position um, is most in need where can I move someone to make a hole where we could go out and acquire a stronger position player and those kinds of moves? I also think this would be a real interesting thing to utilize while MLB is looking to move away from the shift. This might severely affect how you play these players at each position because if you are not able to adjust them defensively to maximize you know, coverage against certain hitters, this might actually have a major difference in games. I think it could too. Um, is there anything else you, you, you really see, anything that you can kind of glean out of uh, this very hastily put together little thing I, I did? 
I would really like to see a future breakdown between center fielders and corner fielders. Yeah. I would like to see that. I really that's want be a difference. It, it, yeah, it would be. I would like to see pitchers just cuz I think that would be hilarious. Dude, I I I I thought to myself. <laughs> I thought to myself it can't be that bad. I was really prepared. I was like I was prepared for a lot of like two like WRC plus 5. The numbers were negative. Negative. I couldn't believe it. Like it was so comically bad. I couldn't believe it. Can you say I didn't think it would be that bad so we could have a Ron Howard narrator. It was, it was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, pitchers were just terrible. But, no, center field would definitely be a thing. Because, I mean, look at look at Jackie Bradley Jr. on the Reds. I know he had a great postseason. Like, he, he won ALCS MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone's most recent memories of JBJ might be good in terms of hitting. But as someone who, who who's watched a lot of JBJ um, over the course of the you know, the past few years when he's been in the league, he's not a great hitter. No. But he plays a great center field. So that's kind of your trade-off there. He should have won many more Golden Gloves than he has. Yeah, I mean, it's so tough. And now that, like, Mike Trout's defense is, like, Gold Glove caliber and everyone just loves Mike Trout already, he might, J- JBJ might never win one again. They genuinely should have these awards for Mike Trout and have a separate award for non-Mike Trout players. Kind of like a, uh, a, a a stat, uh, uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, filter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give Mike Trout the real award, but then also have like a silver glove for the non-Mike Trout player who performs. If you had, if you had to give out the lead glove award <laughs> for the worst fielder, who Jose who Canesco. Oh, Jose Canseco. Yeah, sorry. Jose Canseco. Yeah, he's not very good. Um, Miguel and Duhar though. That was bad. He's really bad at playing third base. <laughs> now I'm really going to think very hard about who is could possibly... Reese Hoskins? Oh, my God. Him in left field is atrocious. Thank God they got rid of Carlos Santana. Yeah. Well, they had, like, four third first basemen. Like, because here's the thing. And, and actually, this, you know, that actually fits into this conversation pretty well. Because <laughs> first base, as we said previously, is an offensive position. You put dudes there who don't field well you don't have to range to your left literally at all you barely have to move to your right i mean all i can think of whenever i think of first baseman is you know jason giambi (laughs) big slow heavy jason giambi that's the kind of dude you could get playing first base prince fielder also comes to mind (laughs) prince fielder i mean they're not some of them are yeah super luke Voigt this season on the yankees these are big dudes who don't move well Imagine taking four of them and just saying, go where you can fit in. Like, you're going to go in left field. You're going to go in third base. That's an MLB The Show type lineup. And granted, those guys are all good hitters. But you sacrificed so much in defense that at that... Now, if they had one too many first basemen, one too many first basemen... You could say, you know what, one of them could be a platoon. If it was the American League, it could be a DH platoon split like that. You know, maybe like a few games in left field as you get used to it over the season. But they had, I think they had legit like three different first base. That's too many. Phillies, Phillies. get your shit together. So bad. That your new logo is terrible. It's really bad. It's so fucking bad. You should feel ashamed. But it's not the Marlins, so it's okay. Who do you think has the worst logo? 
the Marlins. You think the Mar? I like their new logo. Uh, that's true. I didn't. I haven't seen the new one in a while. I do know the last one was very bad. I think Cleveland's is quite boring. I do not like it. I would love, and people from Cleveland will say it's it's not bad. But my thing is like it is. It's it's a nice like if it was a. It looks like a college team. I'll put it that way. It looks like a college. It team. looks like something you could make in Microsoft Word, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I'm not saying that they should have kept Chief Wahoo. Like I get why they like, they didn't keep Chief Wahoo, but like yo, come up with like a better. Is the C the block C is a great placeholder? It's not a good logo. They forever. already said they're coming out with a new logo to replace Chief Wahoo. Hopefully, the block C is not what they tried out there full time. I think I. Just to get in ahead real quick, I think that they might have had an issue where it's like, all right, do we want to keep it Indian related or do we want to keep it like the letter C and Cleveland related? Because I'm wondering if that was the issue. Like, I, cause I, I could see Cleveland having this debate with themselves of, all right, everyone hates the name Indians. Should we be changing the name? Well, if we think or thinking about doing that down the road, do we want another logo that has something to do with Indians? We're going to have to change later on. So let's see with the C. I think they should do something Cleveland-like, you know, but I can I can see why that might have muddied things up. Why not just go as Cleveland? That's it. Be like Madonna. Be like Prince. Be like Lord. The They're Cleveland just Cle- Clevelands? No, no, no. They're not the Cleveland Clevelands. They're just Cleveland. No, that's awful. I like this idea. No, you're the only one. I'm a free thinker. Let me be free. You shouldn't be left alone. <laughs> also true. Uh, but yeah, they need some new. Sh- if you if you had to rename the Cleveland Indians, what would you rename them? For real though, we're gonna have to cut out some dead air because I got to think about this. Because like I don't like the spiders. I don't know. People say, "Oh, it's a great throwback." It's not a good name though. Cleveland Spiders. Like it it it, it sounds like a name that would happen in the era it happened in. The Cleveland Steamers. Oh my god, that'd be awful. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Oh damn, that's that's tough. Coming up with a name is 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 difficult. If they want to keep it somewhat related, if they just changed it to the Cleveland Tribe, I've I've often thought the Cleveland Natives. That would be a good one. I've always thought like if you give them like a respectful logo, and just call them the Natives, I see like nothing. Uh, granted, I am <laughs> a mere Jew, <laughs> and you'd probably have to like you know ask some actual Native Americans. <laughs> But I I I often thought like the same thing for the Redskins. I I because that's a terrible that's an awful I, name. I bet that copyright's gonna be a uh, pretty easy to claim in a few years. Oh yeah. Um, but like if you wanna, because I don't think there's too much. Again, I'm just you know I'm not involved in it too much. But I think the Braves is fine. I think the Chiefs is fine. I think the Blackhawks is fine. At least no one's really coming out saying like, what dude, what the fuck. There's um, no derogatory names like the Cleveland Redskins. Yeah. So I, I've often thought like natives could be a, a nice way to like keep the theme of your team while having a much less shitty name, but uh, yeah, I guess that just kind of is what it is. My vote will forever be for the Cleveland Steamers, though. Yeah, you can hang on to that. I will. Um, if you don't know what that is, Urban Dictionary is your friend <laughs> or your enemy. Do not use that on a school or work computer. Okay, um, for the for the last few minutes, is there anything else just kind of going on in the world of sports, um, that you've wanted to give a, a passing comment to? I was thinking, um, for just the last few minutes, there's a lot that happens in sports that is current, 
uh, that we're not going to spend time like analyzing. We're not going to give its own episodes to. We're not going to use numbers for. So maybe just uh, this is a sports-centric podcast. Uh, people are listening to this. They probably are sports fans. I was thinking we could just spend maybe, if there's anything you thought of worth mentioning at the last uh, few minutes of this show. Uh, the Devils suck, which is kind of weird, but I don't really have anything to say about it other than I'm kind of surprised. Not really. I mean, the Pens are bad, but de- like you know, outside of saying their defense sucks, there's really not much to add there. I was going to say the same thing about the Rangers. They're not great. Um, they're doing better than I thought, but they're rebuilding, and I expect nothing from this year. Um, I mean, bowl season just started, but there haven't been any good games yet. Um, NFL playoffs are kind of getting getting locked in um nfc is a mess right now it's like we could see an under 500 team make the wild card because it's just such a weak conference this year and as much as i would love to see an under 500 team make the playoffs because that's hilarious that would make for a terrible product on the field what would you think of all the teams that didn't make the playoffs playing a bracket for draft picks consolation no. I would love it. Yeah. I mean, granted, this isn't real sports, but we do that for fantasy in a couple different leagues, and that is wild. Do you think your average team, like, you know, average um, out-of-playoff contention team would play worse or better, like, with a draft pick on the line? I think it depends how it's set up. Whereas, you know, like, does the winner get the w- first pick, or yeah. is the overall no, loser? Winner. winner. Winner gets the better pick. I think that would cause a lot of fringe playoff teams that know they don't really have a chance to maybe drop a game or two and get into this bracket so they could try and plow through it and get a top draft pick. I don't think that they could. I think if you're a fringe playoff team, you got to try, right? If you were, let's say, the Dallas Cowboys right now, who are, like, they're in control of their own division right now, but they're not really... Good. They're not going to go far in the playoffs this no. year. Do you think you would rather lose in the first round of the playoffs to a very good NFC team like the Rams or not the Rams because they'll probably have a bye, but a very good NFC team or would you rather have a chance? The Bears probably. Right. Yeah. Would you rather play the Bears or would you rather play to get Nick Bosa? I, I, I'd still pick playoffs just because the NFL playoffs are so random and having experience in the playoffs is such a big deal, as we saw with the Giants' fucking collapse in, what was it, 2015? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What I'm really wondering, though, is like you see a lot of like these disheartened teams at the end of the season playing poorly because no one gives a fuck. Um, and I wonder if you'd see a team in like Week 17 that's like 4-12 and 12. Go into their uh, their bracket uh, draft competition and just tear it up because, like, all right, guys, we got to get some new blood in here. Y'all suck. So what would have been extremely interesting if this was the scenario last year? The Browns? No. The San Francisco 49ers trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, winning their final five games, and oh, instead right. of getting, you know, a top four or five pick, whatever they ended up with, actually, I think they were closer to eight or nine but them fighting for the first overall pick i think that would have been wild to watch that would have been pretty cool um yeah i really don't have too much else to say about football it's it's that weird point where 
if it's pretty much all done, um, it, you know, you know who the playoff teams are, you know who's good, you know who's bad. Outside of the the second, uh, I think outside of the who's going to win the AFC North and who's going to take the second wild card spot in the NFC, there's not too much to really say. And those two things you just kind of have to let play out, right? Because there's not much to really say about it right now. I mean, now that it's the end of the college football season, we could probably say a lot about you know the playoffs and going into the upcoming NFL draft. But I think those are topics that we're going to save for future episodes. Probably, so yeah. we probably shouldn't go too deep into that now. I was going to say the same thing about um uh MLB offseason right now. I'm thinking maybe we'll do something on it. Maybe we won't. Uh, it's kind of. I think there's some interesting. I'll say economic things that go on with it. Um, yeah, the end of the off season, but I'm not sure. It's been slow. A lot of it's just been speculation. Uh, there's been a few interesting signings, a few interesting trades, but nothing really to dedicate time to. Nothing that really is worth discussing as a full podcast and even discussing here. Yeah. Uh, if you have any questions, anything you'd like to add to anything we said today, or anything you'd like to. Uh, hear us talk about, look into for future episodes. You can uh, reach us via email at uh, juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. Uh, you can also reach us on Twitter at juicingpod um, on Twitter. Uh, the if you word like, juicing and P-O-D. Yes, the word juicing and P-O-D. Uh <laughs> Uh, if you, not as dumb as we sound, I swear. If you like the show, you can uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Um, we're like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> Smash that like button. Uh, fuck. Yeah, that's the that's the show. Any possible general managers, any owners, any front office executives that have listened to this? Our resumes are available at request. We have a website. We do have a website juicingthenumbers.wixsite.com so juicingthenumbers.wixsite.com and there you can find um, any and all research that we do for these episodes if you want to um, follow along when you listen or if you want to check out after we do each episode see what we did and that'd be a great thing to get us, give us comments on we're always looking to improve and build off of that and if you guys find any way to improve upon our terrible statistical analysis you know let us know and we'll post your stuff there too Maybe all right not. uh anything else corwin uh please listen to us <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right you all have a nice day and uh we'll do this again sometime soon <laughs> <laughs>